Good morning. I'm glad you're here this morning as we share together. And let me tell you up front that the message today is about giving, not about money. I say that because money is a primary way of giving, but it's not the only way. And what we're doing is we're focusing on the disciplines of life and the fundamentals of our faith and the discipline of giving is so critical in helping us to gain self-control and to be master over who we are and what we have. And so the focus today is about giving. The truth that we want to emphasize is this, that giving is God's antidote for our sin and selfishness and it is also God's prescription for enjoying life and growing spiritually. And so with that in mind, I want you to open your Bible to the book of 1 Timothy, and we're going to be looking at chapter 6. Some great verses here, and I wish we had time to unpack all of it, but we're going to kind of draw some principles and truths out of these verses. Look at chapter 6 of 1 Timothy, and beginning at verse 6, it says this, But godliness actually is a means of great gain when accompanied by contentment. For we have brought nothing into the world, so we cannot take anything out of it either. And if we have food and covering, with these we shall be content. But those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a snare, and many foolish and harmful desires which plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all sorts of evil, and some, by longing for it, have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pains. But flee from these, you man of God, and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of eternal life to which you were called, and you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses." And then Paul gives him a charge, and in that charge, there is a doxology that just thrills my heart. I don't have time to read it this morning, but you read those verses as well. Drop down now to verse 17. Instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited or to fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. Instruct them to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, storing up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is life indeed. So Paul is giving Timothy some instructions and those instructions have to do with how you handle riches, but it also has to do with how you live the life that honors God and he's counseling him and I think we can learn from that. One of the first things that comes to, uh, to my mind is this, that giving, the act of giving is an act of obedience that keeps the open door to God. Now I say that because I know that sin closes the door. When we're disobedient, then the door is closed. When we have the door open, God can come through that open door and give to us and bless us, and he will. In the Old Testament, God warned the people about how they were acting toward him. He said, will, will these people rob me? And Malachi uh, chapter 3 says, will a man rob God? Yet you're robbing me. And then he describes how they're robbing him. And, and, but the interesting thing is, they didn't even know that they were robbing God. They were giving some, 
But God is saying, no, I don't want some. I want what I say I'm supposed to have. And so he says in verse 9 here, bring the whole, or verse 10, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house and test me in this, says the Lord. And listen to this. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. The whole idea here is when you obey me and when you give as I am instructing, that opens the door for God to provide unbelievable blessings in our life. Failure to, proper, to give properly creates a barrier. It, it, it makes us where we're not at home with God. We're, you know, because we know we've disobeyed God, then we uh, don't pray like we should. We don't do other, we don't spend time with God like we should. Years ago, when I first, in my first church, Dorothy and I, I became a pastor. I'd been making $150 a week uh, working for Wonder Bread or Continental Baking Company, and I went to $65 a week. And uh, so we, we needed some help. We were struggling, but Miss Biddy Wages had a grocery store out in the country where the church was, a little country church. And so she said, Preacher, don't worry. Come down here, and I'll just, I'll, you, and when you get the money, you pay me. So I said, okay. Well, what I didn't realize, I never had credit like that and dealt with it, but over a period of time, I got to the place I couldn't pay Miss Biddy every month. And uh, so even though that store was the gathering place for everybody in the community, I didn't want to go there. The only time I went there was when I had to have some groceries. Dorothy said, we ain't got any milk or we ain't got it. And so I had to go down there. But other than that, I didn't want to. Why? Because I owed her money and the relationship was affected by that. I'm telling you that that's the same kind of thing that happens with us and God. When we open our hearts to give as we should, then the channel's open. But when we don't, there's a barrier there. Let me be sure to tell you that I did finally pay Miss Biddy off. But I learned me a lesson about credit, too. <laughs> you you got to guard against that stuff. I'm telling you, the whole point I'm making here is that we, the open door of giving allows God to bless us. A second thing that I see here, and that's this. Giving combats the temptation of greed and materialism. These verses that we read at first talk about this greed and materialism. Our inclination is to get and to accumulate and unfortunately, we never learn that you can never get enough. You're always going to want something else. And one of the best illustrations of this is the story that Jesus told about the rich farmer. You remember that story? A guy had, had, he had just a bumper crop, and he said, what am I going to do? I'm going to tear down my barns. I'm going to build new barns. I mean, you know, and so his whole idea was accumulation. And God says to him, you fool, tonight your life is going to be taken from you. And then what's going to happen? But the verse before he tells that story is, I think, instructive. Listen to what he says in Luke 12, 15. Then he said to them, Beware and be on your guard against every form of greed, for not even when one has an abundance does his life consist of his possessions. Jesus tells us to be on guard because Satan will use that, this temptation in order to undermine our spiritual life. It's a fallacy to think that things can satisfy you. Things will never be able to satisfy your ultimate, ultimate needs. And that's what he's telling Timothy. Look at verse nine here in our text. But those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a snare with many foolish and harmful desires which plunge men into ruin and destruction. The more that we have, the more there's a tendency to trust in wealth and possessions for our security, and they are not adequate. Listen again to verse 17 in our text here. Instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited or fix their hope 
on, on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. Rather than trusting in the possessions, rather than trusting in our portfolio, rather than trusting in our, our holdings, we need to understand God is our ultimate security and the ultimate joy in life is to be found in Him, not in things. There's a false sense of success when we begin to accumulate things because we, we begin to evaluate ourselves and others, their success by what we have. But what you have is not the ultimate uh, uh, story of your success. It, it, it's some, something entirely different. Temporal things will pass away, but the tendency is to esteem other people and even ourselves by what we have or how much we have. But that is not true. Let me just ask you this question. What was Jesus worth? What was he worth? He didn't have a house because he said, birds have nests, foxes have dens, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. They borrowed a tomb and put him in it. What did he have? Nothing in terms of this world's good. How valuable was he? Supremely. And how valuable are you? Supremely, when you understand that you are created in the image of God and that's what gives you value. That's what gives all of us value, not what we have. And so we need to guard against this. Look again here in our text, verse six, verse seven. For we have brought nothing into the world and we cannot take anything out of it either. What Paul is telling us is that things are to be used, but if we're not careful, things will control us. And so the antidote for that is to turn loose and to give and to allow God to flow through you the things that he wants to, to pass on to you and to others as well. So a third thing that comes out of our text, and that is this. Giving creates an opportunity for spiritual growth. It is in the attitude of generosity. It is in the attitude of giving that we begin to, and we can grow spiritually because giving focuses on others and not ourselves. I mean, the, the whole idea is we're trying to get past this idea of self and, and begin to think about other people. Our sinful nature causes us to focus on ourselves, but it's only when we can get outside that that we can begin to enjoy the fullness of life that God wants us to have. Jesus was always giving. I mean, constantly he was giving of himself, and, 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 the, and the, the ministries that he performed in healing and things of this nature. We can be selfish as a church as well as individually. Most churches stop growing because they focus inwardly and begin thinking about their comforts and desires instead of the mission that God has given them. I want to tell you, I can speak with some degree of confidence about this. Having served churches now for 57 years, I'm telling you that there are a lot of churches that are dying because they begin, they're always interpreting or evaluating everything. Well, what's that going to cost me? What, you know, what is that going to do for me? How is that going to affect me? And so they resist change. They resist any, anything that's going to be a, an answer to reaching the people in the mission that God's given us. They are they have a hard time accepting that because they don't want to make a sacrifice. Sacrifice is giving. And that's what we're talking about. God wants to give us so much, but he can't if we close our heart and our minds to other people. 
And God is the ultimate giver. Just in a little bit, we're going to be observing the Lord's Supper. The supreme act of giving was on the cross when Jesus, who had no sin, offered himself as the price for your sin and my sin. He gave himself for God so loved the world that he gave. And that's what we're talking about. Learning to live life from God's perspective. And in order to do that, we have to understand giving is a major part of it. When we discipline ourselves to give, we enlarge our heart and widen our frame of reference to be more like God. And that's what we're talking about. Another aspect of this is giving increases self-control. The simple fact of the matter, most of us don't exhibit a lot of self-control, right? I mean, just think about it. Why are we so fat? Oh, Mississippi leads the nation in obesity. Why? Because we can't and don't exercise self-control. I mean, think about our government. Our government needs to exercise control. I mean, the fact is that we continue to borrow trillions of dollars in debt now, and it's a major threat to our well-being as a nation. Think about it as a family. I don't know how many times I've been in counseling sessions and the primary issue, almost always, one of the primary issues is finances. Because the young couple wants to have everything that their mom and daddy had and they go out there and buy it on credit and the credit card debt is killing them. And credit card debt's killing students as well. I'm just trying to tell you, I learned a lesson in my first church when I ran that bill up and I couldn't pay it every month and I realized you can't you ought not spend money you don't have. You have to limit that kind of thing, and that's called self-control. Now, here's an interesting thing. My experience and my, my uh, conviction is this. If you can exercise self-control and discipline in your spending, then you can exercise discipline and self-control in other areas of your life as well. It, it just goes together. Not only that, but when you exercise discipline in this way, then uh, we don't fall into the trap of thinking that we need something, that we got to have something. We don't need things to prop us up because we know that what we have in Christ is sufficient. And if we wait on the Lord, he will provide what we need in due time. So Paul here in this passage says in verse 11, but flee from these things. Now, what are those things he's talking about? Well, back up here where he's talking about uh, those who fall into temptation and those who want to get rich. And he said, flee from those things. Don't, don't focus on that. Rather, he says, but pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. Now, what I'm saying to you is, as you exercise discipline and don't allow the things of this world to control you, then you can begin to be more effective in developing these qualities and characteristics in your life as well. Not only that, but giving produces a sense of fulfillment. There's something about joining in this. We feel, when you give, you feel good because you know that's what God wants you to do, one. But number two is because obedience brings blessing and there's just a joy. Yesterday, our daughter came home. She had uh, been, uh, she, they were with us over the weekend and, and uh, from Birmingham and she, at six o'clock she got up and ran. We did not know it, but she comes walking back in. She's got a sack in her hand. Well, what in the world is in that sack? She said, well, I found a yard sale. I said, you went running and found a yard. Where'd you have any money? She said, well, I, got, I keep it in my key. 
Well, what I found out, she drove down to Shiloh Park, and then she ran, and then she came back by this little church and found all this stuff. Mama's got to go. And so me and Mama went. And so we go down there, and we're getting this stuff, and uh, Dorothy had gotten a number of things there, $2 and $1.50, and that kind of stuff. $27. I had $24. <laughs> the lady says, don't worry about it. And then she said, we're really we're, we're trying to get this money to, to send to the children, some children in Haiti. I went down there on a mission trip, and we just, I just felt so strongly. We come, came back, and we're getting money for that. Well, I told you I had only had $24. I didn't tell you I had $200 bills. And so I took out one of those $100 bills, and I laid it down there, and I said, I want to make a donation. And I felt so good knowing that I was having a part. And you know what? I, I, the $100 was incidental to me in a way. That's not to say it's not important. I'm just telling you that when God motivated me and I wanted to give, I gave, and I felt so good about it. What I'm trying to help you understand is when you give, whether it is money or whether it is give yourself in time and energy, whatever you do as you give, you will feel good about yourself because you've done what God wanted you. And obedience brings blessing. Not only that, it provides a sense of working with God. I mean, you're engaging and working with God. God's working through you. And particularly when you can give God credit. When you can say to someone, let me tell you how God's blessed me, and he wants to, I, he's telling me to bless you. And God gets the glory, not me. And so there's a great joy in seeing other people. Those little old ladies from the Assembly of God, little Assembly of God church, real small. And, and when I put that $100 bill down there, I mean, they thought that was the biggest thing. In, I, it was the joy they got. One for me, but they got joy out of that. They, were, they couldn't say thank you enough. We got back in the car, and uh, you, you gave them $100. I said, yeah, you want to go back in there and get some more stuff? <laughs> she said, no, no. <laughs> the whole point is, open your heart to God. Let God work through you, and join Him in what He is doing. And when you do, you will be able to grow. Giving provides security because you're investing in eternity. Life's short, death's sure. We need to be ready. And we can do that by investing in eternity. Jesus says, do not store for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. And the apostle Paul says the same thing. Look in verse 18 and 19 of our text. Instruct them to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous, ready to share, storing up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future and so that they may take hold of that which is life indeed. I mean, he's saying to them, you don't, don't by doing good and by sharing, you're storing up for the future, but you're also taking hold of life right now. Life's to be found in this. Thank you for giving.